fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final try Wolfpack, what is going on? It's your boy, the Wolf of Roto Street, rotostreetgeneral.com. We breed and feed fantasy wolves. And just like on Tuesday, thrilled to kick off the, or not kick off, but kind of wrap up this offseason with yet another stud guest, my man, Ian Hart. It's now, I think, the ninth time, the ultimate record at this point. I feel like we got to like send you some swag, some gear, man. Like this, you've absolutely crushed it on this pod. And that's why we keep having you back. Uh, but so thrilled to see you, man. How are you doing today, Ian? Nine times. That's fantastic, man. Yeah, once I get 10, I, I need a hoodie or something. I mean, come oh, on. yeah. T- 10 times hoodies, no doubt about it. And we got right, some sweet ta- we got, you got that tank. You're showing off the guns here. We got some sweet Roto Street tanks. We'll make sure to, to get you one of those, too, uh, for the summer next year, everything. Um, but, yeah, man, you, you, you're getting ready for the season. You have any big drafts or anything coming up yet? um nothing i've gotten most of mine out of the way so far uh yeah i, I got some uh extra be- i got some best ball balance i gotta burn before yeah. uh, the season gets going but i'm waiting oh I, actually i do have one really big one it's a i'm going in with john daigle and uh hayden winks from roto world we're going to three manager i think it's like 1800 dollar buying or something so high stakes league seeing what's what and the cool cool thing is apparently we're allowed to draft like up until actually next friday so we're gonna have the thursday night game in the pocket and then go ahead and draft so exciting times man it is officially draft season so hell yeah do it Hell yeah. It's absolutely flow. And I had my college buddies draft last night, uh, like nice. 10 years running now. So always a good time. Um, but yeah, it's, it, the juices are flowing less a, a week today, a week from today, we're going to have some real live football. Um, so I, I'm stoked about that. And we also have some huge news, even without training camp, even without practices. So just to preview what we're going to talk about, the, the gist of this agenda is must haves the guys that you know, if we don't leave the draft with these guys, we're losing sleep. We're pissed off. We're cannot stand looking at ourselves in the mirror because we didn't get our guys. So these are our must have guys. Uh, obviously, your draft spot will dictate some of that. But ultimately, the guys that we really, really want to leave our drafts with. Uh, but before that, last night, some huge news. Leonard Fournette falling to the bucks here uh, out of nowhere. It seemed like Rojo might have been in the clear, but he lands there with a three point five million dollar single, you know, prove it type of deal. Arian's still insisting, you know, it's Ronald Jones. He's the guy, but the actions just keep suggesting otherwise. So how do you see this backfield kind of playing out now and and how should owners react to it? Yeah, I'm pretty done listening whenever Bruce Arians has to say about <laughs> playing time with these dudes. I think it was uh fantasy points, Graham Barfield, great guy, but he was uh he'd sent out a tweet, just had like just complete slander from Arians over the yeah. years with who his featured running back is gonna be. So, you know, I, I don't think Fournette's necessarily gonna come in and just get a three down roll or anything resembling what he had in Jacksonville. I mean, lucky like in Jacksonville with Chris Thompson being a pass down back. I mean, I think Dari and even Shady, apparently, if he still makes the team, are gonna be the main pass down guys. It's a question 
question is, is Fournette going to get all the early down work or are we probably just going to get what we got last year, which is like a, you know, 33, 33, 33 split. So it, it, it's tough, man. I mean, it's, it's a pretty good spot for uh, Fournette, all things considered. I mean, the only places that I think would have been better would have been, you know, like if the Chiefs or 49ers like really just uh, stuck their neck out to go get them. But obviously that didn't happen. So I moved him from with the Jaguars. He was, I think, my RB21. I moved him down to RB32 now on the Bucks. So, you know, hedging it a little bit. I have him above the uh, handcuffed here because he could, you know, there's, there's a path to 10 plus touchdowns now. I mean, this is a really good offense. And, uh, you know, if he does just get that early down roll over Rojo, he's going to be fine. So Rojo's the big hit here. I mean, I moved him down to RB39 after he'd been kind of creeping up because, I mean, what's it going to take to get him a featured role now? Arians can say whatever he wants to say about Rojo being the guy, but. I, Fournette's going to be involved. We know Dari and Shady are going to be there. I mean, I think Rojo is probably two injuries away from, uh, you know, getting that three down roll that we were hoping might just be his to begin with. Absolutely. It's a similar spot for me too. I have Fournette higher than Rojo at this point. Don't believe a word Arians is saying. If somebody's going to emerge as like the go-to goal line guy, I do think it will be Leonard despite last year's debacle of, of three touchdowns. So yeah, I mean, the high touchdown upside is legitimately, as you said, 10 touchdown upsides there, but it's a backfield I'm just pretty much avoiding unless they fall into my lap at some point. There's so many other guys I'd rather have. Uh, but, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And and on the other flip side in Jacksonville, your boy Minshew, you've come on here and you've hyped yeah. him up at least two or three times this offseason. Are they just going to be hucking that rock all over the yard or what's going to happen in Jacksonville? Yeah, man, he's freaking 2019 Fitzpatrick is 2020 Minshew. It's all coming together, dude. He runs around. We all know he's, you know, fifth fifth QB in rushing yards per game last year, and now he's even probably going to hopefully find the end zone once or twice as a rusher because they have no reason to give it to any of these backs they got remaining. Yeah, it just reinforces the idea they're going to let him play YOLO ball all season. I mean, Minshew and Chark are, you know, more and more just looking like the volume-based, you know, fantasy stars on bad teams. We're, like, we're going to get it, man. I just don't know that these uh, running backs are going to really do all that much i mean i didn't move chris thompson at all i don't think his role is going to change even a little bit and you know i think recall armstead and uh, zigbo not to mention was it james robinson's the other guy we got to worry about now like it just smells like a big time committee and then all the problems that we have with Fournette's spot in the first place why we were fading him you know 4.5 win total not a good offense not a good team the defense is going to suck so they're gonna be playing catch-up mode like all those same issues also apply to recall armstead and uh, zigbo so i just think it's going to be even less volume than Fournette that was getting so i mean i'm not really targeting anyone on jackson other than Minshew and chart and yep. maybe maybe lavisca i'm starting that to come around on him one a guy bit. yep that's the one guy i was going to bring up is he played some of that wildcat role in college pounded in seven rushing touchdowns it's kind of a bull so i mean i i think he was already going to be a good red zone weapon in that path might be even more open to some good goal line red zone carries for lavisca so he's he's like a, a really i already love target him as a penny stock and now I'm even higher on him. Uh, Trevor Sikkim of the Draft Network came on just a, about a month ago, even before Fournette was released, and he had him as uh, Chenault as his number three ranked redraft rookie receiver. So, you know, I trust his evaluation. I trust his calls. And now the path to volume's even clearer. So he's the only other guy I, I'd shout out there. And before we get into our must-haves, I don't know if I can sneak it out of the guy, the, the week one chopper, but either way, do you have any specific players or games that you're kind of targeting for daily fantasy uh, that you're kind of locking in to begin the year here. 
no uh, chopper till midnight of, uh, you know, of of the first main slate. Come on now, we know that. But yeah, I did an article last week, just a way too early look at the pricing and some of the main takeaways I had. Tyrod Taylor is looking like just prime cash game QB. He's only 5,600 on DraftKings. I mean, he's priced right there with Darnold, like Trubisky and Foles. And he's got this matchup against the Bengals. So, I mean, if we're going to go tag out, we're definitely doing it week one. Um, you know, some of the, so they set the RB pricing floor at 4,000 instead of 3,000. So you're getting the value at wide receiver. The only running backs you kind of want to maybe look at are Tevin Coleman, Jarek McKinnon are 4,200 and a 4,000 in the Washington RBs, Gibson and Bryce Lover at 4k because they had the guys, uh, the guys, uh, release wasn't factor in the pricing yet. So yeah. you can get some value there, but in a normal week, those guys would be like closer to 3k and it'd be better. So I think, uh, you know, the one guy that's really sticking out to me right now is Paris Campbell at 3,900, mm-hmm. you know, looking at looking like the number two target in Indy. It's a good, uh, good matchup against the Jaguars like come on and he can you know make big plays out of nothing we just didn't see him a bunch last year uh DK Metcalf I gotta see some ownership pricing man he's the guy that stuck out to me when I was first like who could be a chopper candidate I mean against the Falcons he's only 5,800 they're kind of over like the disparity between him and Lockett's too big for the target uh, projection. Now, are they going to throw it? We'll see. So, you know, Chris Carson has 6,200. Someone on the Seahawks offense, maybe, because this is a great spot. So I got to see, uh, you know, what uh, find. I usually use Adam Levitan's ownership projections to establish the run. So, you know, I'll see what they're saying and uh, see who's looking chalky because I never wanted to pick a chopper guy that's, you know, a consensus top player, top five projection. It's about finding that under the radar talent. So we'll see what it is, but it's a fun slate, man. I can't wait. Yeah, the, the first week is always, it's like a kid on Christmas unwrapping his presents when you first see those prices come <laughs> out. And there's some great ones. I've noticed there's, there's tons of great running backs at under 7K, that kind of like tier of lower end RB1s, Mixon, Eckler, both 6,700. Sanders is 6,300. And he probably would have been pure chalk had he not gotten hurt. But now that, you know, he's got that injury going on, he might be even even crazier. I think Deshaun Jackson's at a, a pretty ridiculous price. Well, they're facing the Redskins, so uh, forty nine hundred for Djax could go crazy. Um, and I and I love stacking my Panthers. You know me. I've talked about Brid. If, if Minshew's your guy, Teddy Bridge is mine. So okay. I'm rolling him out week one, getting a nice Panthers stack in there. Ian Thomas thirty four hundred, DJ Moore six six. Who knows what's up with Curtis Samuel these days, but. Ultimately, I like that. And then running it back with the, the Raiders on the other side. Brian Edwards is 4,200. And this was well before. Uh, Are you really gonna, hold on. Are you really yeah. going to let one beat writer's eyes in this report that Curtis Samuel has been underwhelming? You're going to let that overshadow what we've known for years, that that dude is a complete stud? Come on. No, not at all. I'm, okay. I, I I barely adjusted my rankings. I, I The dude is a stud, and he's going to be finally unlocked. I'm not buying that at all. Don't worry. Yeah. I just might not have him in my week one dra- DraftKings lineup, but still, That's I've drafted fair. him in almost every single best ball league I've done so far, every regular season league. I'm not, I'm not putting too much stock into that no and McLaurin our, our boys only 5600 too so yeah. it's gonna it's gonna be a fun week to say the least uh, I can't wait for it um we've got a couple people just commenting in saying it's the uh too much swag on this channel right hey. now. <laughs> uh, a lot of let's goes pff uh guest appearances so the, the whole pack is pumped to see you on here hard it's they they love anytime you you join um, and we're going to be talking about must-haves now, and this, you know, going to lead on. Uh, speaking of the, the swag level, just went PFF up. PFF Lily, the uh, <laughs> divisional picker extraordinaire. 
I love oh, so that's you PFF Lily is awesome, dude. Yes. Uh, just that's chilling. fantastic stuff. <laughs> um, so the, the swag level just went up that much more with there the dog. Go. I love it. My parents have been begging me to make our dog a part of the show. Uh, so maybe, maybe I got to get, you know, the, the Roto Street Monty making some picks. Hey, there we go. I love, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But uh, yeah, let's start, you know, right at the top. And it's kind of tricky to call a, a round one or two guy a must have because so much of it is dictated by your draft spot. If you're at the top, you're taking Christian McCaffrey. But ultimately, you know, even if it's not must have, do you have like a strategy or a typical combination running back running back running back receiver are you going kelsey if you can is there would you take the plunge on you know lamar how do you attack those middle rounds and is there a guy you're really hoping to land so what i'm trying to do in the top three rounds usually is i want two of those top 15 running backs I and mean, we know our yeah. big five you know yeah we know the group and i'm drawing the line at james connor like he's the last kind of running back i'm reaching on the melvin gordons the david johnson's you know even chris carson like Gurley, taylor if they if they fall to me, you know, in round four or five, like, okay, we can look at it, but I'm not taking them to the top three. I don't want to reach on one of these running backs at that point because everyone does reach on them in round three. So I'm not going to be that guy because as those dudes are flying off the board, that's when I'm attacking the wide receivers. I mean, look, I haven't been coming away with, you know, much of Michael Thomas, Devontae, uh, Tyreek, or Julio, but that's be- mostly because, you know, you can get Hopkins stealing or A-Rob or Galladay sometimes. Like, these dudes are the ones that are available in round four five still and i just think you know looking having done so many best balls this all season i mean i just think really when you get those you know kind of tier one b receivers uh paired with tier one a running back better than you know we're, we're seeing you know so, so, there's some issues this week about you know, Dalvin cook and kamara but i think they're all kind of settling and uh you know the fournette thing it was an example of i think when you can reach uh in the wrong way at the running back position and what can kind of happen when you're you know using one of these top three on picks on them so you know sticking to adp a little bit early and you know trying to get those stud running backs and then later that's when we'll go upside you know take our chances uh more and more at the wide receiver position on guys i'm a little more confident in so you know it's i, I hate the name we have for it i do have kind of been following this uh modified zero RB it's not zero RB so I don't know why we're talking about modifying it but that's kind of like what I've been finding myself doing more times than not yeah I I totally feel it I have the same exact philosophy if I can get two of those top 14 guys lock them in is there like one of those running backs you know that falls sometimes to that late first early second that you're like that's the one I'm, I'm hoping to get especially in round two if I can get it um, cause again, the top of the draft, you know, who the big three are going to be, but is there anybody that you're just like, damn, I, I, I really wish this person falls to me at that, that turn. Probably Drake. I think after those, you know, yeah. I, I, I would include like, it's kind of a big six now with Clyde Edwards Slayer bumping his head in there. But yeah. I mean, it was, it was a one back backfield all year in Arizona, whether it's David Johnson and he gets hurt. Edmonds plays 94% of snaps and Drake was blown out the second uh, half of the uh, season. So I had a, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Edwin Porras on from fantasy, fantasy points on the PFF uh, fantasy podcast. And I was asking him like any concern about Drake and he could not have been quicker about just no. I mean, now, yeah. all the reports, it's fine. You know, he had a, boot on last summer too and kingsbury's already just said you know it's just you know basic nicks and bruises the hopkins has been practicing a bunch either because he knows what he's got and the guy's not gonna run him out there and hurt him so i think drake at his you know long career he doesn't have you know 225 plus touches in a season or something like that let's look at the most relevant split which was you know when he got to the cardinals last season and then he was a ppr rb4 the rest of the way so if drake can get to that turn man that's fantastic 
Absolutely. He's, he's the one I was going to pick myself. They recently came out and said he's the straw that that stirs our entire drink of an offense. Um, I'll take that boot discount all day. I love that that has him falling to, to round two. So the boot discount is great. Um, and as you just said, we both t- like to kind of pepper wide receiver. Once we, we get our bell cows, our first two guys, and then it becomes those wide receivers we look at. And I have a good good guess as to which receivers you might pick because uh, we've talked before and I've seen, obviously, I follow all your stuff on Twitter. But who are those receivers you you love to end up coming out of round three and four with? First of all, if I can get Kittle, man, I, li- I love getting him yeah. in round three if he's going to fall that far. I mean, literally six in the NFL, regardless of position and receiving yards over these past two seasons. And no Manny Sanders, Debo, and Ayuk banged up. They're going to have to feed him. And I think, you know, when you have that high-end talent getting that sort of potential high-end target share, I mean, look out. I, I know Kelsey's been the number one guy four years running, but I think 2020 is the year Kittle, uh, you know, takes that mantle as the uh, fantasy's number one tight end. And wide receivers, uh, it's been Adam Thielen and A.J. Brown a lot. I'm higher on them than the consensus. So, you know, generally the Galladay's and, you know, Godwin's and, uh, you know, Juju's of the world are kind of already gone. But, you know, I want Thielen and AJ Brown anyway over those dudes for the most part. So uh, with Thielen, man, like, People were just too attached to that Stefan Diggs 94 targets number from last year. Never mind that they were like 94 of the most fancy friendly targets ever because they were using them as their field stretcher. And like, look at just the rest of QBX crew. When you guys like Andre Johnson and, you know, Rod Smith and Steve Smith for a year, like the guys were getting 170 plus targets sometimes. And, you know, on average, it's been 138 targets. So Adam Thielen, okay, even if he's not Andre Johnson, he's pretty damn good. And, you in 2018 was healthy enough at the end of the year to come out ball against the saints and do fine enough against the 49ers in the playoffs. So love, love, love Thielen. And then AJ Brown. I mean, I just think we're looking at a perennial top five receiver in terms of talent. And, you know, I get the concerns uh, with volume, but again, it's, I, I wouldn't expect like the Vikings or the Titans to be, you know, in that positive game script again uh, in 2020, like they were last year. So, you know, even if AJ Brown doesn't get 150 targets, I mean, the things that dude could do with 115, 100, 120 is just wild, man. I mean, he broke the PFF database for most yards after the catch per reception in a season. And I, I get the regression, but someone that good yeah. can regress and still be great. And like, don't just throw regression out there without considering the potential boost in volume. That's the main reason I'm on him. I mean, look, efficiency guy maybe going down the top 10 and the volume is actually going to get closer to the top 10 where it should be. So Thielen, AJB, and George Kittle, sign me up. Absolutely. Love all those picks. Um, I've been landing quite a few of those guys myself. If Allen Robinson falls to me, I think I typically go him over Thielen. It's real close. I have him literally neck and neck in my rankings, but I just, he's gotten it done so many years with such trash QBs that I I love him. He could, uh, Grant Barfield said he could outscore everybody other than Thomas at the position this year on the pod on Tuesday. Silva came on and just so many smart guys have been all over him that I've kind of taken my turn and 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 put him pretty high up in the rankings now. Um, and then I also just love coming out around four with some sort of piece of that Seahawks passing game. I know Josh Gordon just landed there, but I'm not overly concerned. I think Metcalf is just – I have Lockett a little bit ahead, but also just something about owning Metcalf too, like in terms yeah. of 1,000 yard, 10 TD potential. That guy could just go crazy. So I really want to make sure I have at least one Seahawks receiver in my draft. Um, and if I have to reach on Terry, if that's what it takes now, it used to be round five lock. But nowadays, you kind of have to make that jump in round four. 
So that I, I find myself doing that quite often. The only running back, and I don't know how you feel about this guy because it is a, a committee on paper, but Jonathan Taylor behind that Colts line, I mean, what an absolute stallion of a, a player. And he's going to be in mostly positive scripts, a, a friendly fantasy schedule for Jonathan Taylor this year. He is expected to be catching some balls. It's not like he's a, a completely inept receiver as good as Hines is. So to me, he's the type of guy, especially if I've gone running back and running back, and he could be my third. So maybe I could, you know, stash him if I need be. But I have a feeling by, you know, week four or five, he's just going to emerge as a t- weekly top 12 option um, in terms of just talent and situation. It lined up so well. Uh, it, it's going to take, you know, three weeks for him to take that hot hand from Marlon Mack, in my opinion, and just be a monster. Do you have any thoughts on Taylor? Am I an idiot for going that high on him? What, what are your thoughts? No. You're good. I've moved him up a little bit over the course of the offseason. This is my RB19 now. He was a little closer to that RB2 borderline uh, before. But just, look, he's going to lose some snaps uh, to Marlon Mack, obviously. But the more I thought about it, it was like, you're running behind this offensive line. He doesn't yeah. even need the 20-plus touches that others might. And, you know, there are some really smart people, you know, out there evaluating running backs that have, you know, compared this guy to, you know, like a almost a poor man's Saquon Barkley uh, to an extent. So I don't think he's that good. But I also don't think he's, you know, one of these typical – Wisconsin backs that we've kind of seen bust over the years. It's, it's going to be hard to bust behind that offensive line. And so it's, you know, his, his ceiling isn't, you know, RB one level. Like I think some people would hope because of Heinz, because of Mac, but I mean, man, if they can get this guy, you know, even 12, 15 touches a game, he's going to provide, you know, RB two value, I think, or at least flex more weeks than not. And like you said, man, the upside is he just takes over the backfield by, you know, October. And then we're talking a legit RB one. A hundred percent. And a running back, I know, you know, you've written about a bit and and we're getting the question on here is James Connor. And if I miss out on, you know, Taylor in round three, I often find myself, if I need a running back, I still typically go those receivers we talked about, but if I missed on those guys or I went Kittle or Kelsey early and I, and I need another running back, I feel pretty good about Connor round three. Is he, is he pretty acceptable to you in round three as well? Or what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm getting him round three all the time, yeah. man. I mean, he's right there where, you know, in that group of guys I want to come down with. Because, look, whenever he's been on the field, he's been an RB1. Even last year with Rossberger hurt and Rudolph and freaking Duck Hodges under center. He was an RB. He was the RB9 before Connor got yeah. injured. So, uh, you know, we've heard, you know, Tallman told us in the offseason, you know, I'm a feature back guy. James is a feature back. He's going to be our feature back. We get into training camp and, like, the beat, it's like the least surprising news of training camp. Like, the Steelers beat writers come out and they're like, yeah, it's going to be the James Connor. Connor show. It's like, we all know this. The only problem is if he gets injured, but guess what? Like, that's why he's available as, you know, in the third round, because he might get injured. I mean, it's, it's almost like he's the person that everyone, you know, he's kind of like what Leonard Fournette was last year, but he's actually on a good team where, yeah, it's, you know, okay, maybe he'll get hurt, but that's already baking the price. And if he doesn't get hurt, we have a legit, you know, 80% plus uh snap back. That's going to get fed touches, man. So I think, uh, you know, he's a proven good back. It's the injury concern is real i mean look there's not that many uh guys that it's not good when the injury trend is you know going down uh with, in terms of missed games like it has been with connor but you know in the third round i'm, I'm, I'm willing to take that risk absolutely and, and benny snell emerging as a clear handcuff makes me feel even better about that because you can get him for free he's, he's honestly undrafted in most leagues so when you get a free insurance policy that would also be a featured back even if he's not as talented that always makes me feel a little bit better about a round three investment like connor um, so we've loaded up on backs early. We've taken a couple upside receivers rounds three and four. 
What about rounds five and seven? Are you just gobbling up more running backs, more receivers? Is there other positions you start to look at? Uh, what's your what's your strategy in these kind of middle rounds? If we're going one QB league, yeah, I'm probably going to keep uh, gobbling up RBs and wide receivers. Two QB or super flex. That this is where I would try to make sure I get one of my top eight guys. Yeah. Usually, I mean, it's just the the dual threat guys. You know, Lamar, Mahomes are going to be gone, but Dak, Kyler, Watson, Josh Allen, even Russ and Wentz. I mean, I'm I'm fine taking. And uh, one of those guys, you know, leading off with them as the QB. Tight end, I mean, again, I want Kittle early. And if I miss him, I'm, I'm probably not going to be getting Kelsey or Andrews either. So I'm waiting on tight end until double-digit rounds at this point. Uh, some of the wide receivers I've seen fall this range that I'm scooping up whenever I see them. Uh, Stefan Diggs, man, you can get him in these, like, six rounds sometimes. And it's ridiculous because last year, I mean, John Brown was the PPR wide receiver 20. And Diggs has a lower ADP than that. I mean, unless you really think – that they're just going to split targets between these guys like right down the middle. And it's just not going to be enough target volume. Like, okay, but when you give up that many draft picks for the guy and, you know, just, I, I love Smokey Brown, but I think Stefan Diggs is anyone's idea of like a true top 10 talent at the position. He's going to demand those targets. And, you know, I, I did see an interesting uh, stat from a uh, PFF on Andrew Erickson where, you know, yeah, Josh Allen's deep ball is erratic as hell, but you know, when he was targeting, Dawson Knox and John Brown, two of his better downfield receivers, he was actually pretty accurate with it. So, you know, I think part of it is, you know, has he had the right players to really accentuate those skills of his? And now he's got the best deep ball receiver in football from last season in terms of just, uh, you know, yards on those 20 plus yard targets. So, Stefan Diggs, you know, he's got the boom and, you know, to have a receiver that talented going that late, I'm fine uh, taking a chance on the new squad. I mean, look, like DeAndre Hopkins is on a new team and he needs to be reach his ceiling in order to pay off off as like the wide receiver five digs is all the way down like in the mid 20s so give me that all day uh will fuller i want man everywhere Deshaun Watson's number one receiver. The guy actually apparently, you know, put on some good weight over the offseason and seems to be in a healthier, healthier place. You know, I'm just going to, you're going to start the guy every single week and he's going to give you some massive blow performances and win you weeks. Like that is, even if he gets hurt at some point, like give me Fuller's three league, three week winning weeks over, you know, I don't know even like Tyler Boyd or someone that might rank higher at the end of the year, but they're not going to give you the same sort of just boom performances. So prioritizing Fuller anywhere and everywhere. And then finally I'd uh, end with Deontay Johnson, who I feel like the hype train's almost like quieted down on this guy. I mean, in, in July, you know, you're like me, man, we're on the fantasy streets, 365 days a year in July, in July, it really seemed like Deontay was, you know, catching on, but I haven't, you know, and I feel like over the last two weeks, we've seen a whole lot more of a fantasy footballers, you know, back and active on Twitter, but just still no love for Deontay. I know he was, he's been banged up a little bit uh, throughout training camp, but he's back on the field. And I mean, there seems to be no doubt that he's going to be out there uh, as, you know, a top two receiver for Roethlisberger. So kind of like James Conner, I just think the discount is uh, too steep on a guy that, you know, has legit wide receiver one potential, even if that's not the most likely outcome, uh, you know, expecting big things from Deontay. So Diggs, Fuller, Deontay Johnson, guys, I'm consistently coming away with in that range. Very intriguing name list. I find myself also peppering more and more wide receivers. And that's again, get those bell cows early because there's so many toss out, you know, Marquise Brown, those separation skills, that speed at 158 pounds and a screw in the foot as a rookie. Now you get a a year of experience under your belt. You gain 20 nice pounds. you, You have the screw removed. I think he could take his game to a whole new level next year. So I'm thrilled about him. I think Edelman falls ridiculously far. It depends what you're looking for, right? There's a few 
few guys like Fuller, like Marquise Brown, that could just destroy your your you know matchups and just win you weeks. And if you want that, depending on your lineup, great. If you've kind of taken those hilares, those question marks early, Connor, things that could go south fast and you want a high floor, Edelman's going to see another 120 targets. It's the Patriots yeah. offense. I get Brady's gone, but it's always run through the slot. And, and him and Newton have apparently forged a really, really nice rapport in camp. So I love him. I also love Marvin Jones in this range. Um, I, I think he, you know, that's the splits between him and Galladay over their last 16 together with Stafford. It's neck and neck. So, I, yeah. I mean, I love those guys at wide receiver. If I do take a leap on tight end because I missed one of those early guys, I love Evan Ingram. I, I mean, the talent is so real. And I see him fall to like seven or eight. Obviously, the injury concerns are as real as can be, too. I get that they have a lot of weapons there. But you look at what Jason Garrett, now their play caller, you know, the last time he called plays was 2011. So for five years up until 2011, he peppered Witten like 140 plus times every single season. That's Witten. Like you give him this athletic freak who's been the, the star of camp. Everybody's calling for, you know, monster, monster season. He's been the main number one receiver. Everyone's trying to figure out, is it Slayton? Is it Tate? Is it, you know, Shepard? I think it's Ingram as long as we get 16, a huge if. I know that. But if we do, he's that guy that I think leaps into the top three and has a monster season. So he's a guy at that price. I think the injury's baked in for me. Um, yeah. Those are my kind of middle round guys. Hopefully I don't need a running back because I already have two or three really good ones I feel good about. Um, and then the last, I normally would have called him. We're going to move to round eight and 11. I would have said this guy was eight, but at this point, J.K. Dobbins is kind of creeping up into round six and seven range. And especially if I have three running backs and I can get this guy as my fourth, um, I love him every day in round seven, especially round eight, too, if I can somehow manage that. But he's like my favorite. If I'm putting someone on the bench to start, he's like the number one guy I want on my bench. I think by week five or six, he's going to have this backfield um, as his own, whether it's an injury to Ingram, 31, or whether it's just he's just that much better, because I think he is, and that's no no slight to Ingram. I love Ingram. Mm -hmm. I just think Dobbins is a monster, um, plays yeah. biggest in his biggest games. I think he's going to light it up. So seven, eight, wherever that might be, I've already got three good receivers. I've got three good running backs. My seventh pick, I love making it J.K. Dobbins um, as well. And other than that, I don't know. What about eight and 11? Is that where you start to look at QB? Is that where you're still kind of cleaning up scraps? Like who, who are you looking for at that point? I like the Dobbins call. And especially, man, if you're in a league where you get a, like a lot of leagues, I, I have a couple where like, you know, you, you get one keeper from the year before and you got used that draft. Oh, yeah. Like Dobbins is like, I think the prime candidate that's going to be drafted outside the top 30 this year and potentially inside the top 10 next year. Cause Ingram's contracts up. I assume they're not going to pick that up. I do have concerns, you know, how involved is Gus Edwards going to be? How many touches is Dobbins going to get? But man, 2021 that's when we're really cooking and yeah i agree with you i mean there's definitely a path to success this year as well and i mean at that price range sign me up so i'm probably still chilling on quarterbacks for yeah. maybe like 11 or 12 but i'm probably still chilling on quarterbacks for the most part in this range the one tight end i might find myself reaching for in round like 10 or 11 is noah fant i just think uh he is what, what we saw last year just some of the yak he was able to create in big plays and just you look at their kind of overall pecking order and behind Cortland sutton it's pretty muddled 
field. I mean, Jerry Judy, I think, deserves to be the favorite to be a number two guy, but it really wouldn't be shocking at all if Fant, uh, you know, rises to the top and is a number two guy. I've seen some people throw around his splits with Drew Locke under center, but I mean, Fant was really playing through some injuries during that stretch. You look at his snap rates, it was like the only time all year uh, he was playing 50% snaps instead of 80. So I think, you know, he gets that full-time rollback, second year in the system. Rookie tight ends never do anything. So the fact he did give us some, I mean, this dude is just an athletic monster and we kind of he's going on the radar i feel like uh compared to guys like you know just and hawkinson who okay are very good players in their own right but i just think fan has potential for more targets so he's kind of the one tight end i've been willing to pay up for a little more if he's gone i'm waiting longer and getting my guys like herndon later but we'll talk about him a little bit more uh this would be the range where i'm looking at start getting those key uh handcuffed three down rbs and that's you know latavius murray Alexander Madison, Tony Pollard, Chase Edmonds. Those are the big four to me. There's some other guys. You, know, you mentioned Benny Snow, uh, Darrington Evans, or maybe some like later round guys that might get it. But I think those four, Murray, Madison, Pollard, Edmonds, are the really confident ones that you know would all arguably be you know top 12 RBs on a weekly basis if their team starter goes down. So huge upside there, even if you're not getting the uh, week-to-week value. Because like I don't want you know your Philip Lindsay's, your Matt Breida's really, uh, your James White and Tariq Cohen's of the world that range you know maybe they do give you some solid like flex weeks but you're never gonna like fire them up as an as a true rb1 can't you know same can't be said for those guys and then uh finally a wide receiver in this range three guys i've been coming away with uh miko hardman man let's Ooh, go man. look he's like the he's like a wide he's like the only wide receiver handcuff in the league if any of Tyreek, Sammy, or Robinson miss time. Like he is going to ball out. And hopefully, like just throughout this offseason, he kind of takes Robinson's role anyway. Like he right. he could produce with no injuries. And if there is an injury, like he's going to be freaking fine. So keep dude, just set the rookie record for most yards per target. Like this guy's incredible. Like buy him. He's in that offense. Come on. Uh Anthony Miller. Yeah, baby. It's happening. Nagy said he had one of the best training camps out there. I mean, look, it's a win-win no matter who's under center. He's been Trubisky's most efficient target of his career in terms of adjusted yards per attempt. Uh, and then Nick Foles, I mean, it's just historically fed the slides. why D.D. Westbrook was a top 30 receiver uh, this time last year. But Miller, I mean, not, nothing against D.D., but I think Miller has you know, shown way more NFL success at this point. Truly talented guy. And you know, it's him and A-Rob in that pecking order, and that's it. And then finally, uh, Henry Ruggs. I feel like we could see, I mean, you know how like uh, Hollywood Brown looked after week one last year. You know he had the sc- screw in his foot, as you mentioned. Like he wasn't able to, you know, stay perfectly healthy, and it wasn't really the most pass-first offense to be involved with, obviously. But Henry Ruggs, I feel like, could give us, you know, like a more consistent Hollywood Brown rookie season because he's got that same speed. He d- he's not th- he doesn't have a you know pass-happy quarterback downfield and Derek Carr. But I don't think it matters, man. This guy is perfectly fine, you know, just ripping off yak. He was the highest-rated receiver in college football last year, just in terms of QB rating when you're targeting the dude so screens crossers drags i mean gruden low-key had a pretty schematically friendly offense last year things he was doing in the passing game i think he's tired of featuring the tight end uh, as the centerpiece of the passing game you know i know there's a lot of brian edwards hype out there but i think henry ruggs is the guy in vegas and i mean the ceiling is really going underrated for him yeah, I think all those picks are fantastic ones. Murray was one that I was planning to highlight. I mean, the dude averaged 34 and a half points in his two starts last year. We get an epidural for for Kamara, the contract. There's just like a lot of negative buzz flowing with Kamara. And I, I know obviously he's a monster. I'm not saying don't draft the guy, but plant-based diet as well. We've seen that 
you know, good players succumb to the plant-based diet. So if anything does happen to him, Murray's that guy that just wins you your league. So I love him in this range when he falls. I think Brandon Cooks, for all the reasons you cited Will Fuller, if Fuller does go down, then you've got the, the deep threat for Deshaun Watson, who's one of the best deep passers in the league. So I think he brings a ton to the table in this range. And I'm liking Debo Samuel. That you know, every he's every report is he's running full speed right now. Um, might miss week one, but it doesn't seem like something, certainly not the PUP, probably a week or two. So at around nine, 10 price, I'm not starting him anyways. If he was starting, you're looking at a fifth rounder. So I love that discount. I'll take that all day. Um, stack my bench with him and wait on him. And I'm still kind of, and, um, we mentioned the Eagles. I love Deshaun Jackson and Jalen Rager, obviously Deshaun a little bit more now because Rager is going to miss some weeks. Um, and the, the early season schedule is just an absolute joke. Like if you need an early season flex, if you did take a quarterback early or a tight end early and you need that round, you know, flex or, or wide receiver three, he's going to light it up early on in the season against some of these matchups, you know, 15, 20 point blow up, 30 point blow up last year uh, against Washington. I wouldn't be shocked to see him do the same exact thing in week one again this year. So I love D and I love stashing Rager. He's going even like, you know, if we, we move on to the late round, list now with that that injury he's kind of fallen to I, I got him at I think 140 last night in my draft and I, I know you're going to wait a couple weeks on him but it was kind of it reminds me it, it, this would be ridiculous but a little bit like Odell Beckham is rookie yeah, year I knew you're gonna say that you knew it you knew it you know hurt early on I don't know killed it early on gets hurt misses the first couple weeks but all the reports, you know, dusting, you know, Darius Slay, the best corner on their team, making fade catches in the end zone, getting, you know, over the middle with bodies draped on him, screens. Like it sounded like he was that kind of Odell usage guy where they just give it to him, let him do his thing or pepper him deep. I just, every report was glowing. So I was getting him everywhere, you know, when I could. And now that he's going to go down five rounds because of this injury that might only linger a week or two. He's another guy, you know, more of a late round penny stock these days, but I love loading up on him. Um, are there some penny stocks? You hinted at Herndon and some other guys. Who are some of these, like, you've, you've stacked your starters. Maybe you've gotten, I do want to mention too in that round, 8 to 11 range, CD Lamb as well. I just have to shout him out. I, I get, I just want a piece of that Cowboys offense. Yeah. And I think the cheapest bit of it, you know, CD Lamb, other than Jarwin, of course, but the cheapest receiver there could put up very comparable numbers to the two more expensive guys ahead of him. Cooper's hurt right now too. So if that, if Cooper ever goes down, just kind of a reminder of his like fragility or his, his, you know, less than a hundred percent gutting it out type of play CD lamb in a featured role with Dak and that offense could be just devastating, scary. And every report is he's just been up to the call as a rookie. So I love him as well. He's kind of one of my must haves at like 11 when he falls, it's smash that button, lock him in. Um, as well but what about these penny stocks these guys after you've locked in your entire roster um, you've picked up some of your higher bench guys in rounds eight through ten but th- those last round guys that you think could really explode uh, give us a few for for each position if you will yeah I just I have an article coming out tomorrow where I just did uh, my top 10 favorite picks with an ADP outside of the top 150 so one of those guys is Mr. Chris Herndon I mean I, I can't go a podcast without talking about this dude but it's for good reason I mean look he is one of literally only it's it's him Mark Andrews Gronk Hunter Henry Heath Miller Aaron Hernandez 
Noah Fant, Jordan Reed, Zach Ertz, George Kittle, a bunch of studs. Only rookie tight ends to average at least eight yards per target since 2000. Herndon was awesome in 2018. He didn't lose his job in 2019. He got suspended. Then he got hurt and he just didn't play. And okay, like if we were just, if he was like still battling it out with Ryan Griffin, like I would understand why people would maybe be, you know, cautious and going back to this dude. But no, Adam Gase said Herndon's our starter. And you go and read any report from Jets practice over the last month, the dude's been balling out. Every single wide receiver for the Jets is hurt right now. I mean, even before they, even when they were healthy, though, is like Herndon, I think, should have been anyone's idea of, you know, number two, number three uh, projected guy in the entire passing game. So we got a talented tight end going as like the tight end 18 to 20 range just because people are still mad about last year easiest uh, potential Darren Waller in terms of, you know, just a tight end that could literally become their passing games. Number one target. I know it's Adam Gase. I know it's icky, but it's not costing you anything. You're not going to look back at your draft and be like, Oh my God, if I hadn't picked Chris Herndon around 14, think about how good the season could have gone. And the upside is, you know, you're going to be thanking your freaking high heavens. You did draft them. So uh, Herndon uh, number one tight end. I would say Johnny Smith is the other guy. Uh, yeah. I would just, you know, be looking to throw a dart at the position. Uh, QB, yeah, man, we talked about Gardner uh, Minshew a little bit earlier, so we don't need to get too, too much more into it. But, yeah, he's, I mean, that late-round guy that I'm just coming away with more times than not. You're not going to draft him to be your starter in one QB leagues. I mean, I would be hoping to have Cam or Joe Burrow at this point if I'm really waiting. But, I mean, I think as a backup or, you know, as your second QB in a, a super flex or whatever, uh, definitely more than viable. Wide receiver, one guy I'm really coming around to, man, Randall Cobb. I just think he's free at this point. He could lead the Texans in targets. You know, the same things we said about Fuller and Cooks also apply. Just being in that offense, Deshaun Watson's going to keep putting up production, putting up points. I don't care who you surround him with. I think he's that good. And with Cobb, I mean, they're giving him $19 million guaranteed. You look at Kiki Cootie, he's had 91 targets in 16 games over the past two seasons. That was with Hopkins being the borderline, you know, a legit right. alpha. I mean, we're looking at 15, like 14 target games for Kiki over the years and he didn't have that type of guaranteed money sent his way so you know if you are one of these people that you know you're not buying Fuller and Cooks because you just think they'll get hurt that should be leading you to Cobb because you know he, someone needs to get these yards and someone needs to get these targets he's pretty much at this point you know like a discount Jamison Crowder people are going to end up laughing at you for doing it and kind of mock the upside but he's going to smash that ADP um, Steven Sims for Washington a, a kind of similar case where he's just he's a number two receiver on this squad and there's, you know, a light pecking order. So we'll see, uh, you know, someone behind McLaurin is going to produce. I think it could be Sims. He had a nice little run uh, to the end of last season. And then uh, last one. So I've, I've, I haven't explained this one out loud, and it's kind of scary to do so. But, man, I think Carlos Hyde at the very end of drafts could be worth something because you look at last year when Rashad Penny was healthy and they played two games and it was like a 50-50 snap count uh, uh, between Penny and Carson. And Penny was playing pretty well and then he got hurt, became the Carson show again. But they obviously brought in Hyde to be Penny Insurance. We're expecting Penny to start the year on the pup list. So, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if week one comes around and we look at the snap counts out for the game and we're like, holy shit, this is a 2RB committee in yeah. Seattle and they're running the ball more than anyone else. And, you know, what happens when Chris Carson fumbles again in week two. Does it become the Carlos Hyde show? 
Probably not, but it only takes, you know, a 15, 16 round pick to find out. So I just feel like, you know, looking at week one, the possibilities, like they're playing the Falcons, man. There is a non-zero chance that Hyde, you know, winds up at 15 touches, scores a touchdown, and he's on the top of every wa- waiver wire ad going to week two. I'm not excited about drafting the guy, but everywhere he goes, they seem to want to give him touches. You kept Nick, Nick freaking Chubb on the bench for seven weeks. Now, I, I get that's coaching malpractice, and it's not so much, you know, an indication on Hyde's talent, but... But, you know, they didn't bring them to Seattle to do absolutely nothing. And again, it's pretty much free to find out. So I like that call. I mean, it's it's gross to say, as you said, yeah. it's like, well, I never <laughs> want to say Carlos Hyde to take. But there is a very real path to, to volume. They already said we're going to keep hammering the rock like 40 times, which still makes no sense to anybody. And it sucks. But if that's what they're going to do, you're looking at 12 to 15 carries. I, I like it. I mean, definitely a decent shot. At a touchdown, I, I, this guy's ranked on fantasy pros at 160. I, I typically take him round eight, so I, I don't know if that's going to actually ever be the case. But Antonio Gibson, for me, it not not an unknown name by any means. I'm certainly not the only one that's in on this train. But if you get him as your RB five after Dobbins or so, Geis is obviously gone. AP's the only thing in front of him, and they're saying the quarterbacks have this guy on speed dial. They're, they're peppering him so much, so. <laughs> All he needs is the usage. The guy is an athletic freak. Anytime he got the ball, he was making plays. Um, So I love him. I like Hines a lot. Uh, They're saying, you know, Rivers has targeted him more than anybody else in camp. I loved your Paris Campbell call, too. I do think some value. The the Colts are so cheap. And I'm not saying I love Rivers and I'm trying to buy in on all the Rivers stock. But I do think some of these guys that just do damage after the catch are really going to do some damage. I mean, Rivers just puts them in the position to succeed. So Campbell, Hines are definitely some guys I like. And Jarek McKinnon, too. There's a lot of – this is an intriguing year for running backs at, at penny stock. It's not typically this case. But I think he's got that third roll down on lock as long as he's healthy. And, you know, the athletic was saying he might lead this team in 20 plus yard receptions because he's like their best deep threat right now. Wow. Um, they're lining out, out wide and stuff. So we'll see just about for that. a price of free. He goes at pick 200 right now. Never mind the upside. Like he actually only has to beat out an undrafted Raheem Mostert. He did look good. I like Mostert and how he fit that scheme. But if that and Tevin Coleman's your only competition for targets and you know for for carries and you're already getting all the money targets like what if he did get a three down roll in a Shanahan zone blocking scheme so that could be crazy Harris was one of my guys of course to Damian but broken hand now expected to miss week one sadly getting crossed off the list unfortunately you guys know Teddy Bridge I've already talked about him at length and his weapons Curtis Samuel and Robbie A are fun to stack him with as well late um, and you mentioned Johnu Smith. He's kind of my late stock, you know, t- penny stock tight end. Just if Bill Belichick calls you the best tight end after the catch in football, and now you're projected to get a lot of more creative volume scheme to you, Arthur Smith saying we didn't utilize this guy as much as we could. And, the, and all the beat writers say it in camp, he's moving over. I mean, who's their number two? Uh, honestly, it's, it's AJ Brown and then. I, Corey Davis, get the fuck out of here. I'm, I'm long done with it Corey Davis. Might be Davis. Might be Johnu. Yeah, exactly. Like that. I think it is going to be John because we know, you know, Henry, I wish he would get 50 targets. He's not gonna. So I think it's going to be John. I think he's going to see a nice 80 targets and he's going to do a lot of damage with them. Um, so th- those are my late round guys. All righty. Well, th- those are our must haves, our guys that we we really love to leave drafts with. Harditz, you mind if I run you through the no huddle offense? You've been through it before. The questions are obviously different for 2020. Um, you ready to let this one rip? I'm a veteran of the game, man. I'm ready. Let's do it. 
All righty. So after the big three of McCaffrey, Saquon, and Zeke, number four should be? Kamara still. The next Dalvin or kind of late first, early second running back who's top five in 2021 will be? Uh, oh, 2021. Fuck. Uh, I'm still going to go Kenyon Drake. I know it's a little murky 2021, but I, I was thinking just like the next Dalvin, like the guy going out the turn that could be like a top five RB. I think that's definitely Drake. Absolutely. Favorite fantasy team name you've had or seen before? Uh, one of my buddies had uh, Kareem Hunt and the Chiefs kicker. So it was Kareem and her bucker, which was a pretty interesting one. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that is, that is, I like it. <laughs> I like it too. Like it. <laughs> that is, that is good. Uh, the next Godwin, that kind of round four, five receiver who then explodes into the elite will be. Been saying it since January. Calvin Ridley, don't overthink it, everyone. Yes, 2020's Mark Andrews or breakout tight end will be? My guy, Chris Herndon. Knew the answer. I just filled that one in for you. (laughs) Uh, Most hated NFL player, ideally for specific fantasy-specific purposes, would be? Non-fantasy is Ty Montgomery because I freaking hate his number still. Like, change that, man. I'm going to go Jarvis Landry because I'm just ne- – I never end up with Jarvis Landry on my team, even though I always look into these drafts. And I'm like, okay, why is he going this late? He's a value, but I, I just – I never pull the trigger, and he always goes out there and produce. Like, it's just – him and Tyler Boyd are like these slot receivers that get the targets and I should be paying more attention to, and it's like a small blind spot for me. I got to be better about it. But, you know, kudos to Jarvis for producing. I, I have not had nearly enough exposure to him over the years. If there was somehow another Lamar Jackson or Pat Mahomes, it would be. Kyler is the obvious one, but like he doesn't really apply because he's going, you know, QB four. So I think it's Gardner Minshew, man. Just he has the volume, has the rushing. He could, he has top five fantasy QB in his range of outcomes. Which early rounder, so first or second, do you think is going to bust the hardest this year? I would say relative their ADP Hopkins is just kind of has to be that guy, man. He gets, he's been getting like almost 170 targets per year. Like if that goes down by 40 or 50, that's not going to be good. And especially if Kyler doesn't make the leap, we're expecting him to. Now we got a QB downgrade and, and less targets. So I do have him as my wide receiver five, but I mean, I'm taking all the running backs kind of up to 14, uh, usually ahead of him. So I, I definitely see why, you know, the Evan Silva's of the industry, you know, have him in the teens. I, you know, the top, could win out, but just in terms of who uh, is more most likely to do it, I think history tells us Hopkins. Who do you think gained the most fantasy value since camp started this year? Cam Akers looking pretty good to me. I mean, Malcolm Brown has kind of been seemingly relegated to just this kind of backup grinder. It sounds like the same role he had last year. It's not like he's the goal line back, but like he'll get some opportunities to do that. And Daryl Henderson's just hurting. I mean, he hasn't been there. Maybe he'll be ready by week one, like they're saying. But either way, it's been more than enough time for Cam Akers to show what he can do. Who do you think lost the most value since camp started? Probably Devin Singletary. I mean, he wasn't in a great spot to begin with, but Zach Moss has taken over camp. And, you know, this was the concern. It wasn't just that Moss was getting the early down work. We knew that was going to happen. Gore already had that last year. I mean, at least splitting some of the early down work. You know what I mean? But now it sounds like he's actually going to get plenty of targets to go along with that. So not looking good for Singletary. Do you ever play Settlers of Catan? No, but I'm intrigued. It's a very good game. Very good game. Okay. One of these days, I'll take I'll your word for that. Right. I'm only Sikama. He's out of like 20 people. He's the only one that's answered yes to that question so far. So I had to look it up. I was like, what the, what is this an ad read or something? But <laughs> <laughs> it's a very nerdy game, but it's a blast. Okay. Um, okay. 
the next sophomore receiver after we know you're probably going AJ Brown. So who would you go after him? Terry McLaurin, man. It's F F one hundred fifty targets this year. Let's get it. Love it. Do you prefer target hogs or workhorse backs? I mean both, but no, nah, I want the uh, workhorse backs. Those are the ones I'm prioritizing uh, uh, in, in the early rounds. Who do you think, speaking of McLaurin, the next Terry McLaurin or blow-up late-round receiver will be? Sticking to rookies, I would say Henry Ruggs for the reasons I mentioned before. I mean, again, I, I know it's been Jared Cook, Darren Waller these last two years, but go look at some of those dudes on those Bucks teams, man. Joey Galloway, Keenan McCardell, they were getting fed. Yeah. Alvin Kamara, Connor, Eckler were all top five running backs that you could have got after round seven. In 2020, that could be. So we're looking at like, I mean, Kamara, they had AP leave. So he was kind of down on the depth chart. Connor had Le'Veon hold out. Eckler had Gordon hold out. I think Alexander Madison fits that bill, man. Uh, Mm -hmm. Dalvin's the one kind of guy remaining where we haven't quite gotten that, uh, you know, contract or some like official word that everything is a okay. There's just a lot of kind of rumors going around out there with the man. I don't think it's pretty. And, you know, talking to some Vikings uh, beat reporters, apparently one of the big, uh, you know, stories out of Vikings camp has been Madison really improved his pass protection. So I had concerns that like Amir, Amir Abdullah, for better or for worse, could take like Madison's pass down work. But it sounds like if Cook doesn't play, uh, Madison will be the three down workhorse. Love it. What are your ideal league settings? fucking no kickers or defenses i can tell you that much but uh i would say you know two rb two uh two or three wide receiver tight end uh, i would say out of flex in general I, I don't do enough super flex but if you have like you know eight or ten people in your league add two qbs i mean there's there's more than enough to uh, figure it out after mt adams and then julio who do you think owners should draft at wide receiver i actually have tyreek over julio man Ooh. i mean look julio does it but you look at last year, and he went from being like the number one receiver in the league in a lot of efficiency metrics to kind of like top five, top ten. So he's starting to get up there in age a little bit. I, I just worry. It's getting to the point where it's almost like A.J. Green, where you know we we shouldn't have necessarily seen the drop-off coming as steep as it was for A.J. I know like their team had something to do with that. But, you know, it's only so many years Julio can be, you know, Julio. After or no, blank was the most important coaching hire specifically for which player's value. Maybe not most important, but one I think I really like and is going underrated is Chan Gailey for uh, Devontae Parker. I mean, you look at some of the wide receiver ones he's coached over the years. I mean, Brandon Marshall, Stevie Johnson, like these guys just got fed 150-plus targets. And, I mean, it, fits, it sounds like Fitz is the guy, at least for a little bit, and they're still a little worried about Tua's hips. So, I mean, I do think Devontae, after they paid him, and just based on his second-half performance last year, he's that number one. And, I mean, it wouldn't be shocking if he just led the NFL in targets this year now with Chan Gailey uh, running anyone's idea of this past happy attack and do running backs matter yes but the salary cap makes them matter less than any other position and for i don't know why we have a salary cap man because if we didn't have a salary cap then you know the best running backs would have a disparity in their salary just like any other position it's just a you know a matter of okay you can find you know the 60th best running back in the world you know is closer to the 10th best running back but you look at the 60th best defensive end compared like okay like obviously you're going to pay the positions that are harder to find but i mean you know it's still guys touch the ball 20 plus times a game obviously they matter and feel free to repeat the one you gave us last year because i thought that that's still my all-time favorite answer but the funniest last place punishment or side bet you've ever witnessed or been a part of i'm not sure if i told you this one or not but the last the my last 
in I want to say only like time I finished in last in my fantasy league was nine years ago in my first year of my favorite like college eight man league. Like so shitty, but I finished in last this year because a fucking defense scored like 25 points in the championship game. Anyway, I had to wear a Jets Tim Tebow jersey to class every Tuesday for a semester. And my freaking nerdy school, University of Chicago, was so weird. So the kids didn't even pay attention to football. No one even asked me about it. No one was ever <laughs> like, hey, man, you know, it's week nine. You've been wearing that Jets Tebow jersey every single time i've seen you <laughs> no one even said anything about it so like they must have just thought i was even weirder for wearing this freaking thing around but it was uh you know fairly humiliating you guys come up with some so the one you shared last time like it's always someone has to wear something every day of the week it must be the same league because i think it was you said they had to wear like john cena jorts and like oh a, yeah and stuff and the first time <laughs> the kid went to class they had a guy behind him holding a boom box blaring his entrance music yes that is the same league (laughs) i I, I love that you guys definitely get after it which is great um last question here what's your boldest 2020 fantasy prediction and just remind our listeners where they can connect and find your work i've talked enough about herndon so i'm gonna say adam Thielen, wide receiver uh he'll be a top six uh wide receiver and that's you know he is my wide receiver six in the rankings so you know with the bold predictions i do try to you know some i want to pick something i'm actually going out and predicting not just the top range of outcome but again man just i think uh low-key nice chance to uh lead the league in targets who knows what happens if uh, things don't happen as smoothly and yeah man uh find me on twitter at iheart it's i-h-a-r-t-i-t-z uh pro football focus fantasy football podcast as well week one's around the corner i can't wait you know it's been seven months of off-season content we finally got some new stuff uh coming in i'm pumped man thank you for having me on as always i'm pumped for to uh hopefully get another guest appearance and become uh, that 10-time uh, platinum member Hell yeah, Platinum member, no doubt we will have you on again, man. It's always a blast. Ian, thanks so much for coming on. Best of luck this year. I hope every single one of your predictions knocks it out of the park that you're not having to go to Tebow, you know, anywhere in public with a Tebow jersey ever again, man. Uh, But this was an absolute pleasure, as it always is. Thanks again for coming on. Thanks, brother. Take it easy, man. You too. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause, oh, 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 and wave out to the crowd, and take our final bow, oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show, 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 at least we stole the show. Second effort, first effort, touchdown! Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.